another story about a woman with an issue. She had a 12 long years, didn't know what to do. She heard about a man coming through her town. She fell to her knees and crawled. If I could only touch the hem of his garment, I'm gonna give it all I have in this moment. This ain't no ordinary worship. No, no. This ain't no ordinary song. God is service greater than.
sacrifice so that we could have eternal life with him. Thank you, Jesus, for your love.
His mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Jesus.
Give the band a good hand. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, church. Amen. God is good and is, amen. Thankful for his mercy and his grace. Amen. You cannot speak of that enough. And we're just thankful this morning for that. How many enjoy the worship service? Amen. It's a blessing to come in here and just be filled. Amen. You know, you cannot outgive God. For if this, if it's natural or spiritual, either one. If you praise Him, He's going to, re, in return, is going to reward you for your praise. Amen. I guarantee you, you'll feel better when you leave here than when you come. Sometimes, because that's what the presence of God will do. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to go into our communion this morning, and uh, ask Sister Heather and Brother Jacob. Jacob, brother Jason, I, I got. I, anyway, here we go. But Sister Heather and brother Jason come and do it this morning. Heather, I want you to share what you told us about Chesley a while ago too, because that goes right along with this part about the communion. During the communion, you can be healed. That's part of it. That's part of the remembrance. But uh, she's got a great testimony about Chesley this morning, and, and I'm just so thankful for that because. God is still working. But the thing of it is, church, and those who are watching on live stream or listening on podcasts, you've got to be willing to accept what He wants to give you without being doubtful. Amen? Look at the positive side of things. You know, and, and I know for a fact no more what I have to fool with them sometime. But Brother Bill, you know what I'm talking about, and we've been talking about it. Doctors can get you down quick. You know, that's why they make their money. And there's no shortage of sick people, evidently, you know. And I, I, told, I told Patty the other day, because I had to go over to the clinic Tuesday to get a shot in my hip. And I remember during the pandemic that that parking lot was empty. It's not that way no more. I mean, it's packed. Everybody's sick for something or another. But anyway... God is our great physician, and we need to be leaning on him more and more all the time. So, Sister Heather and Brother Jason, y'all come and do the communion for us. Amen. Yesterday, I was able to spend the whole day with my mom, which I was so glad because I'm always busy and I'm trying to squeeze everybody in my life equally. But anyway, I just took my day and went to my mom's yesterday, and uh, we did her Christmas. So um, anyway, Chesley just looked better, which I was glad of, and um, he didn't just he didn't have his catheter, which he had 
had to wear, and they said that, um, you know, if his bladder didn't start working on its own, he would have to just wear it. So, but he was, he was like, no, my bladder's going to work on its own, you know, because God caused it to work on its own. So, <laughs> anyway, so yesterday when I went in, he didn't have catheter. His bladder's functioning totally on its own. And um, he looked better than I had seen him in a long time. He um, is down to only using oxygen two tanks a week. He was going through a tank a day. I didn't even see him put his oxygen on yesterday. <laughs> and at one point, I turned around, and he was doing a jig to some Christmas music. So thank God. But um, Chesley knows that it is just one touch from the master, and um, he's feeling great. So thank you all for your prayers. Just continue to pray for him. He does have issues, but don't we all? <laughs> you know, don't we all? So uh, just keep him in your prayers. But anyway. First Corinthians twenty-three. I'm gonna get my old For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. If you will stand up for me. And when he had given thanks and break it, he and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Father, thank you for your body that was broken. and beaten and sacrificed for me. I do this in the name of Jesus' name. Amen. You may eat the bread. after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as oft as you drink in remembrance of me and there's something else I want to add to it um, wherefore whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Lord, thank you for giving your, your uh, spilling your blood for us, God. Lord, I thank you for what you've done, Father. I thank you for going to the to the whipping post, Lord. And God, I thank you for the stripes that were put on your body for me and, and everyone, Lord. God, I thank you. Your word says, by your stripes, we are healed, Father. God, I thank you for that, and I bless you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Praise the Lord for the shedding of the blood. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many has heard the song this past week, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year? Anybody's heard that yet? More than once. It is the most wonderful time of the year till you get to the shopping centers. <laughs> then it gets to be a little bit more than that sometimes. But it is the most gracious time of the year that we need to remember because if there hadn't been no birth, there wouldn't have been no Christ walking up on this earth, there would have been no crucifixion, there would have been no resurrection, and you've been lost and undone. So we're just coming out of the month of November for being thankful. Church, we need to continue to be thankful. And it all comes down to this part right here that when it all began, when that little babe was born in the manger. Amen. And we know, you know, the month of December, we celebrate the birth of our Christ, Lord and Savior. We know he was born in a manger in Bethlehem. We know that for three and a half years after he turned 30, he began his ministry. And he began to teach and preach and call 12 disciples to follow after him. Amen. Preaching his message to repent and follow him. And you know, I got to thinking the other day when I was reading all this and doing this. You probably have done thought of this, maybe. You might, you're probably smarter than what I am. But anyway, I want you to look to who Christ went to when he called his disciples. He didn't go to the synagogue and pull out a bunch of the Pharisees and first one things and another, but he went to the common people. Amen? Just like you and me. He went to them, those that was the workers. Amen? So he went to the common people. He went to the ones that was... They wouldn't, may have not even been real religion or religious or something. But Christ is not looking for somebody that's religious. He's looking for somebody that's willing to work for the kingdom, that he can do a work through them. You know, a lot of people that are, that are religious, it's hard to get anything out of them because you can't get them a past tradition and stuff because they can't, you know, mom and dad did it this way or and our family's been doing this for 200 years and stuff, and that's what got the Pharisees and Sadducees and the different ones in trouble because they've been taught that way all their life. But anyway, he went to the common people, and uh, in them three and a half years, he, he taught and he preached, and, he, and his message was to repent and follow him. And he did many miracles and changed lives. And the main thing, he also gave us an example on how we are to live our lives by being Christ-like or being his disciple. Amen. We know that. This morning, I want to get into something a little bit, and I and I had been thinking about this before I even began to get this message together. This one word I keep coming up with: Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. That's a great privilege, people. God with us. Amen. He come down from his home in heaven and became flesh to walk among men just like anybody else. And being God with us, that brings some different things. And the two things I want to talk about this morning is, is hope. It brings hope. It brings love. Amen. 
And you know, we know in Matthew 1 and 23, it talks about that unto us a child will be born and unto us a son will be given and his name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. And that was a prophecy. Amen. So this morning, I want to I talk about a little bit about prophecy before we get into the, the, the message a whole lot. Uh, you know, throughout the Old Testament, it was prophesied that there would be a Savior coming to save the Jews. And if it wasn't for them prophecies in that Old Testament and these ones in, that was uh, studying the, the Old Testament wouldn't realize that they were supposed to be looking for a Messiah. But that was a prophecy. Now let me go to a scripture real quick. Let me read it to you. It tells us the one thing we we're going to be discussing this morning. I've already said hope. God with us brings hope. But Romans 15 and 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime was written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the spirit of the scriptures might have hope. So a lot of people, you know, and of course we're living in we're living in the time that we know all about Christ and stuff, but the hope for those before that was in this Old Testament. That's what they leaned upon, knowing, you know, that there, there was going to be a time that they had to, would be better for them. You know, in the Old Testament, you know, and, and Brother Brian brought this out Wednesday night, too. They didn't have to live the way they did to a certain extent. But because of being disobedient to, to God so many times, just over and over again, that's what got them in trouble constantly. You know, God would deliver them, and they'd be fine for a few years, and the first thing you know, there'd be a new king or a new prophet come along or, or what have you, and they change things, and they would go back to their old ways of not following God like they're supposed to, and they'd get yourself in trouble. But the ones in the Old Testament lived hard lives, and a lot of time unprosperous lives, and being under oppression from kings and enemies of their time. So they didn't, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of hope a lot of time. But their hope, what they looked for, was in the future. And there, there was a promise of a Messiah. And we're told different times, and so many different times in the in Old Testament, of the prophecies of these this happening. Amen? Let's go to Psalms 131 through 8 and, and just read that real quick. It says, Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let their ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. And this is David talking here. He said, I wait for the Lord. And this is the same thing that he's living in the Old Testament time. They're waiting on the Lord. My soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. So their hope is in Christ. I mean, God, the word of God that's been written, that's their hope that there is going to be a better day. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. That Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy, 
With him is plenteous redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. And let Israel hope in the Lord. So that's what their hope was. What has been written, that there's a promise for them that there will be someone coming that will make things better for them. And we talk about prophecy, and a lot of people don't want to talk about it. I don't want to focus prophecy, but you've got to have prophecy, and you've got to understand prophecy. Prophecy is a big part of the Bible. From the beginning of this Bible to the end is prophecy, and we're living in some of it. You know, we've seen some of it already fulfilled. We're seeing things fulfilled now. But from the beginning to the end, the prophecy is Jesus Christ. Amen. From the beginning to the end. Amen. And let me just go over a few things here on the, the key to prophecies. Jesus Christ is a centerpiece of prophecy. That's what this Bible is all about. Amen. Him coming, being our salvation, being resurrected, leaving and coming back again, one of the days to set up a kingdom. Amen. Jesus Christ is a cause of prophecy. Through all these prophecies we, we read is, is, is leading up to the birth of Christ. Amen. In the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is con the content of prophecy. So, I mean, it's all about Jesus. And the final thing, Jesus Christ is the climatic point of prophecy. So that's what, you know, from the beginning we're getting ready to, to begin. We're beginning to learn about there's so, going to be something else happening one of these days. And, you know, right from the beginning, you know, very beginning of the prophecy, it started in, and I think it's probably Genesis chapter 3, where God tells the devil after deceiving Eve and Adam that there was going to be a problem from that time on. And there's going to be somebody one of these days that's going to take care of all what you've done. And from this time forth, there's going to be friction between you and me. Amen. And how many realize there? There's fric friction between God and the devil. There's only two. There's only two things there is. There's there's God and devil. There's good and there's evil. That's it. There's no gray areas. It's just that simple. You know, it's either of God or it's of the devil. So there's friction there. And you read out through the Bible that you know it's kind of like a prize fighter and stuff. Sometimes one will throw a punch and the other will throw another. But the thing of it is, you know, and Muhammad Ali was the one that wants to stay on the ropes all the time and let his that his uh, partner, I mean, his opponent, wear himself out. Well, the devil doesn't know that he's defeated. God has got his number. When Christ died on the cross and was resurrected, he doesn't. He doesn't know that, and and God's just kind of playing with him. You know, he'll let him have his little time for a little while, then he'll come back and push him back out of the way or what have you. But his his time is is drawing short. And that's one of the reasons we're seeing so much corruption right now because he knows that, that his time is drawing short. So he's going to see his, how many he can get before he's, his days is, is up. And we should be the same way winning souls for kingdom. We should be trying as much as hard as, as possible to see how many souls we can win before we're called home one of these days. Amen. But prophecy is a big thing. And with something we need to understand that if it wasn't for the prophecies that is in the Old Testament, we wouldn't realize what the, the birth of Christ meant so much about. Amen? You know, and we... Um, uh, you know, and as I said, for a long time, Israel was living in darkness. 
You know, they was oppressed, defeated. Uh, Isaiah 9 and 2 said, The people that walked in darkness, they walked in darkness, have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shine. And I'm talking about God with us brings hope. So they got a chance to get out of that darkness as we have the chance. And let me read you what in Ephesians 5 and 8 what it says about us since God is with us and Christ's Spirit dwells within us. And that's the thing that we need to be thankful about more than anything else too. Not only is God with us, but the church, when it was established, was made to be able to have Christ in you. Not just with you, but in you, indwelling in you. Amen. He's got someone that can tell you how to walk, what you're supposed to do and not do, and that you've got a spirit that dwells within you that you can feel and condemn and help you to be able to do what you need to do through the power of the Holy Ghost. But in Ephesians 5 and 8 it says, For we were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. All of us, was before we got saved, we, lived in, we was in a dark time. Some more than others. But as I said a while ago, you're, there's just two things. There's, there's good and there's evil. God and the devil. So before you got saved, you was on the wrong side of the track. You may have been running around driving a new car or Cadillac or whatever and all kind of fancy clothes and a $500,000 home. But for spiritually, you wouldn't know better off than the one that's in the gutter somewhere. Because you're lost and undone. But anyway, but it says that when we was in some time in darkness, but now are ye light in the world. We are the light of the world. Amen. And I like this last part. And it says we are the light in the world. Walk as children of light. So that's, you know, in other words, do what you're supposed to be doing if you're calling yourself a Christian and you want to be a light for this world. Be a light that can be shining bright that there's no doubt about what you're supposed to be doing all right let's get back to some of the prophecies a little bit more and stuff in the coming of christ or emmanuel god with us from the very first book and then i've done got into this once but very first book of the testament old testament genesis of genesis prophesies about the messiah coming to us genesis 3 15 and i will put infinity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed it shall bruise the head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. In other words, there's going to be some friction there. Amen? Now, I want you to realize scriptures you're going to be hearing. Brother Brian had brought some up Wednesday night. I'm bringing them up this morning. I'm sure different ones during the next few services we'll have will be bringing them up more and more all the time. But we will be bringing up these different scriptures and prophecies and stuff. And the thing of it to, to remember, you know, it, it's okay. The more we hear, the more we learn, the more we will remember. So and this, is a, this is a time that we, like I said before, we celebrate the birth of Christ. So we're going to be talking about it a lot the next few weeks. And, uh, and we never really shut up about it, if you want to say it, and the, the, the facts about it, but we don't, usually don't go to these prophecies that much, but we always... Are talking about Christ. If you're not, if you get in the pulpit and you're not glorifying Christ or uplifting Christ, then you need to sit back down, because we don't need no uh, 
we don't need no uh, messages that don't bring him in, you know, because that's what, you know, you know uh, I'm nothing without him, and uh, I feel like most of y'all realize that you're the same way. So to be behind the pulpit, it means to bring him up as much as possible, and it's all about him. Amen? All about him. But let's just go through some of the prophecies that were told before Christ was born. It says, And this is one I just read that was requoted in Matthew. It says, Isaiah 7, 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Amen. Then in Matthew it tells us what Emmanuel is. It means God with us. Amen. God with us. Amen. We're fortunate people. In the New Testament, people are fortunate people when the church was born and stuff. Because, you know, the Spirit of God did not always dwell with people the way that He does now. He would come down, maybe overshadow you for a little while, then He would be gone. You know, and, the, and during all that time, that, that, you know, if from year to year to year to year, they was having to do sacrifices, 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 just putting it off a little further. Put, but knowing every year they're going to have to go back. But the blessed hope is when he came, all that changed. You don't have to do that no more. One time to truly repent, because we have to repent daily when we do things wrong, and, and, and we're all of flesh. But that one time when you go and say, Lord, forgive me for all my sins, I know that you died for me and I am nothing without you and just forgive me and let me be able to be a better person and be able to walk uprightly before you and fill me with your spirit. Amen. And once we do that, we are a totally different person. When we, if we truly mean it. If we truly mean it. Amen. Then in Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and a governor shall be upon his shoulder. And we just sung all this while ago. It says, His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And I got through thinking about that, and it tells us over in one of the chapters in the New Testament, it may be James, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm not for sure right now, but it talks about him completing us. How does he complete us? Because he's all of this. Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. He's everything. So there should be nothing, you're, you know, you, anything else out there that you should be looking for. If you've been born again of the world, there's nothing the world can give you that you don't have more of already. And that's Christ dwelling within you. So remember that. And, then, you know, saying he's all this thing, Colossians 15 and 26, uh, and going to verse 19, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now, when Christ come down here, and he walked upon this earth 33 and a half years, and he followed through, and, he's, and, he, and he tells us, I think it may be in John chapter 15, 16, 17, somewhere around in there, that I have fulfilled what you have sent me to do. So he was obedient to the Father, and after that, he went to the cross, was buried and resurrected. So he fulfilled everything the Father had asked him to do. And what happens after that? He puts all the power and the glory and everything. The Father puts it into the Son, that they are equal to that point. 
All the and it tells us anything that we do, do it in the name. So when we do that, we realize that we are serving a great, mighty God, and Jesus Christ is equal to him through that because he was obedient to his spirit and did what he was supposed to do to bring us salvation. In Micah 5 and 2, it said, Thou Bethlehem, though thou be little among the thousand of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. So even, you know, it tells us even the city he was going to be born in. And as Brother Brian's talking other night, some of these 700 years or more written before all this happened. It wasn't just a coincidence. God was moving on these prophets to write what he wanted him to write, showing there's going to be hope one of these days and even where that hope would be born. So it says he's going to be in Bethlehem. And these prophecies were given so Israel could have hope for the future. We know that this was fulfilled when Christ was born on the earth and became part of the human race. He not only became hope for the f- our future, but for the present also and even the past by giving us hope for our sins to be forgiven. So the past, present, and future is our hope. We have a hope now in the, this present, knowing that in the past, that whatever we've done, if we've been born again and asked forgiveness, that, is, that slate is wiped clean. No matter how honorary you may have been or how good you may have been, we're all equal. And you've talked. We've heard different ones talking about that we're we're the same at the cross, amen. So during all that, we have a future because we have been done all this. Romans fifteen and thirteen said, "The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, and believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost." So our hope, He is our hope, amen. He's given us hope when we, you know, when you know those in. Before he came, seemed to have no hope. Everything was gloomy, dark, no future that is out there worth having. But through Christ being born as a babe in the manger, the part that he was resurrected from the grave, we have a hope and have a hope beyond the grave. Find where I'm at here. Let's get to one part here I want to talk about too. You know, we've been talking about those in the Old Testament, looking for that hope in the future, which was Christ being born. But after Christ being born, giving hope to the disciples and those that he preached to minister to, they was devastated when Christ was crucified. Now, so, can you imagine those that have walked with him three and a half years, seen all the miracles, signs, and wonders that he done, and you know, the, especially the 12 staying with him day to day, and all of a sudden, he's gone. What would that do to your hope? Their hope was devastated when Christ was crucified. They was devastated. So f- some of them at that time lost hope because they thought Christ was there. And th- that's the thing. They, a lot of them, besides the spiritual part of him, they thought he was there to set up a kingdom to make it better right at that time. His kingdom would be then. But, you know, he tells us, no, my kingdom is not of this world. But they, they, when that happened, they was just, their hope was shot. Let's go to Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 32. And I want you to just look here of a couple of disciples here. 
how they had become. And said, Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem's about three score furlongs. And they talked together all these things which had happened. It came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Now this was after Christ. He hadn't descended yet, but he had been resurrected from the grave. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What matter of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them, which name was Clemus, answered and said unto them, Are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? Now I want you to listen to this right here now. He says, What things? What? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Now look how, I want you to look how they have done, lost their hope here. Now they were saying he was the Son of God, the Messiah. The Savior. Before they start talking here, they say, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people. So they done went from saying he was the Messiah, the Son of God, that a prophet. And how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. So it's happened, and we don't know what happened to him. Amen. And it goes on talking about the women had supposedly seen the, the, the grave empty and what have you. And then he's, the Christ begins to speak, and then he says in them, old fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. So here he goes back to the prophets again. What the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And we know the rest of the scripture there talks about it begins at Moses and preaches all the way through concerning himself. And then you get down to verse 32 after he had left and they had opened their eyes and he says, And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scripture? So it took them a little while to realize who was the word, was speaking the word to them. And they didn't realize that until finally he opened their eyes. But, you know, they had done got to the point they lost their hope. And instead of calling him the father or the Messiah, or son of the father and Messiah, he was just a prophet to them. But I'm glad that they realized later that who he was. And he had come out of the grave. Amen. And Hebrews 7 and 19 says, For the law maketh nothing perfect. And that's what I was talking about a while ago. From year to year to year to year to year, all the way through Old Testament, all he's doing is pushing them sins back, pushing them sins back. So the law made nothing perfect. The law could tell you how to live and what you're supposed to do, but the law couldn't make you do it. Because it didn't dwell within you to do that as the Spirit of God does. That's the, that's the difference. The Spirit of God living within you, you say, oh, I just can't do that. I just can't. If the Spirit of God is dwelling within you, there's nothing impossible you can't do. 
Amen. Whether you need to straighten yourself up or God has got a, a mission for you to do that you're supposed to be doing, He will make a way if it's, He's dwelling within you. Amen. But so for the, what the law made nothing perfect with the bringing in of a better hope did. A better hope did. By which, the which we draw nigh unto God. Amen. We draw nigh unto God. Amen. So God is our hope. And a better hope or the best hope you can have. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we're getting on through here. And I'll try to get through here real quick on the next next part. But the next part I want to talk about, you know, what God brings hope. And God brings love. Amen. To love means a lot. Guess what, church? God loves us so much that he doesn't want us not to have hope. He don't want us to live in fear and doubt. Amen. Just as we was talking about the two disciples there that had given up on what was going on. They lost their hope. He wants us to have hope, and he wants us to have the love of Christ dwelling within us. Amen. Emmanuel, God with us, brings love. We all know that the greatest way God showed his love toward us was by letting his son come to earth in human flesh to bring us salvation by giving his life for us on the cross. And this was definitely unconditional love he showed toward us. He expects us to have the same love toward each other. Amen. That's where the rubber meets the road most of the time. He expects us to have the same love toward each other. He tells us if you can't love me whom you have not seen, how can you, I mean, if you can't love your brother who you have seen, how can you love me that you have not seen? Amen? And we, we're guilty of that. All of us are to a certain extent, you know. We are guilty of that. And I was just reading a new, uh, something on one of my devotional stuff, and I had never thought about that. And we've talked so much about Jonah and Nineveh a lot of time. But Jonah was, had a problem. God had told him to go to Nineveh and pray for them to repent. But the problem was Nineveh was their enemy. So Jonah, Jonah had in his heart, there was no love for that country. So, well, you know, same way with you. If you had somebody that just totally disgusted you and you didn't want no part of them and they've done you wrong every time you turn around, and God tells you to go across the country over or somewhere or another and go pray with them, and what would you do? Most of us say, well, you're going to have to send somebody else. But that's just, that was Jonah going on with that, that, you know, I'm not fooling with them. You know, they've done dozens. You know, Nineveh was a mean country. I mean, it was nasty. I mean, they, they their torture and killing people was way unhuman, the way they want to do things. But anyway, he didn't, you know, he refuses to go. But even when he went, finally went, and God delivered them, they all went and sat across some ashes and repented. He was mad because that God took his enemies and forgave them. And that's when he sat down and frustrated, and I'm just ready to die. Amen? I don't want no part of it. But, you know, that's the thing about love. You know, we've got to show love better than that. Amen? Where am I at now? Uh, love, you know, 
And I just thought of this little quote right here. And Love is what can I do to help you and not what I can get from you. And I want to say that again. Love is what can I do to help you and not what I can get from you. Teenagers out there, girls, boys, or whatever we've got here this morning, if you get in situations as you're growing up and stuff, in relationships and stuff, and it's all about you giving, 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 and whoever you're with or wanting to be with gives not back, forwards, wanting. That's not, that's not love. Amen. You're not, you're not to be used in any way, shape, form, or fashion. So when you give love, love should in return be able to be, come back to you in a way that respects you. Amen. Just remember that. One of the, let's go to a couple of scriptures real quick on love. Uh, for We all know this. And for, John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then Romans 5 and 8, but God commanded his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So no greater love has ever been shown than Christ coming and dying for us. That love that dwells with us now. Amen and dwells in us. Amen. Uh, let's go to John chapter 15. I like this chapter. But we want to go to uh, John chapter 15, verses 9 through 14. And church, we're about coming to a close here for long. Praise the Lord. How many is going to be back tonight? Amen. I'm looking for a good time, some good worship, and just, and you never know who may show up on Sunday nights for his visitors and stuff. Amen. We may have some angels in disguise coming. You never know. Amen. Praise the Lord. John chapter 15, verse 9 through 14, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his loves. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Amen. So he tells us, amen, that we're supposed to love because he has loved us. And that love is passed on. Each time someone is saved, born again, that love is passed on. And that love dwells within us and should dwell within us to see souls saved for the kingdom of God. Amen. So, amen. And greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But we go on and find out further, you know, as we read in a while ago, that he did it when we was we were not very friendly. And we wasn't a person that was really deserved a whole lot. But he done had it and 
But the love, his love, did it for us anyway. Amen. Let me find where we have been talking about hope and love that has come through Emmanuel, God with us. There is one more thing we need to consider, and that is he has promised the church hope and love for eternal life that we may live, rule, and reign with him forever. You know, what a glorious hope that is to realize that you've got a future, that it's not just what you see down here. Amen? And that's the thing with the hope. That hope that he's brought will continue just like his love will continue if we'll just hold to it. Amen? John 14, 1 through 3, we all know the scripture. Says, Let not your heart be troubled. Verse 2, I'll go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So there is a love shown there and there is hope shown there. Amen. He loved us enough that he has gone to prepare a place for us in the hope that he's telling us that he has gone. Just as the ones in the Old Testament that lived back then had a hope for a Messiah being born, we have seen that Messiah be born. We have experienced that Messiah within us. But it goes on further that there's other prophecies that's even in the New Testament and in the Old Testament too that tells us that it's not finished yet. Amen. That there's a, there's a hope coming beyond the grave. And some of us may never experience the grave. We don't never know. Amen. It's closer. It's getting closer all the time. But there's a hope coming, church, that will fulfill these prophecies in these Bible. And we're down to the part right now where the only thing, the very next thing, the most exciting thing that will happen in prophecy is this church being called home. And unfortunately, unfortunately for those that are left behind, you think you're in chaos now? When this church leaves one of these days, and when this church leaves one of these days, guess what? The Spirit of God is going with them. Amen. Now, the Bible tells us that in First or Second Thessalonians that the devil, the Antichrist, is already working. But he can only do a certain thing, a certain amount of stuff he can do for one reason, because the church is still here. And by the church still being here, the Spirit of God is still dwelling upon this planet. Amen? Upon this earth. But once that church is took out of here one of these days, and we split the eastern sky and meet Him in the air, the Spirit of God is going to be gone from this earth. And there's total chaos that will be happening until God do, starts do, doing what He needs to do through the tribulation. Yes, there will be ones that will be saved through the tribulation. I mean, be saved in the tribulation and what have you. But it's not going to be an easy thing. Amen. The scripture tells us if you can't run with the horse, I mean the, the footman, how can you run with the horseman? And what it's talking about, if you can't make it now with the Spirit of God here, how are you going to be able to do it when it's going to be different? It's going to be harder. But I'm thankful this morning that I realize that there is a time coming and coming soon that the church is going to be called out of here. And we need to be just as much possible as we can winning souls for the kingdom of God. Amen. And we've got a new, we're coming to the end of this, this year. 
You're starting another year less than a month, and that's hard to believe. You know, time, it does fly. It does. You know, I thought when I retired, Brother Bill, you know, things would get slower. <laughs> it's got faster. Amen. It gets faster. So, but anyway, I'm thankful this morning that I know that we have a hope. Amen. We've got the hope in Christ that has been born as a babe in a manger. We've got the hope that he was resurrected from the, the dead and he's descended to heaven to look out for us. But that he's not going to stay up there forever. Scripture tells that those they, he that tarry will tarry, but he will come soon. Amen. So I believe he will be here, you know. And I just, I just, you know, you know, the scripture tells us that, you know, when Christ asked Christ when, when the time would be and what have you, he said, I don't know. Not, I don't have no idea. Only the Father knows. So I just, I just kind of, I've done this different times, just see him sitting there by the Father and saying, is it time yet? Is it time yet? I'm anxious. Is it time yet? When we'll get my church? When we'll get my bride? Amen. Church is something to think about. Amen. He wants his children home with him. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If anybody's out within here in the sanctuary or watching on live stream or even listening on podcast, we pray this morning that you, if you've never known Christ before, if you've never given your heart to him before, if you've never repented truly and asked for forgiveness and turned from your ways of sin, we pray this morning that you, if not this morning, don't wait too late. Amen. As I said other, probably last week, I guess it was, there's no better time. You know, we, he gave us the, the greatest gift we could have, and that was Christ being born in that manger and being our salvation later. So the greatest gift you could give him right now is turn and give your life to him during this time of the season because Jesus is the reason. Amen. That's why we celebrate it. And we love, we love him more than anything. And, uh, you know, I'm just so thankful to be able to come into the house of God, worship him in songs, and speak of his words and leave all that out there. Because all this stuff out there right now, that don't matter to a hill of beans. Amen. Whatever you buy more than likely, it ain't going to satisfy whoever you're giving it to anyway. It's going to be too big, too little, or it's not what I want. Amen. But thankful that Christ fits all. Amen. He's an all-fitting God that he'll fit any of us, whatever problems we've got. Amen. Anybody within the sound of my voice needs prayer this morning. Amen. Anybody. Before we do, as we dismiss, we do want to pray for uh, uh, Ricky and Lydia's son. John is sick, so we want to remember him in prayer. Rodney had called in this morning, him and Misty and uh, Aunt Emma, and I think someone, I guess her, the son is sick. All of them are sick, so it sounded like to me. I told him, I said, it sounded like you could sing bass this morning. His so, throat was so rough sounding. But we're at that time again that, you know, you know we're in the season of four colds and flus and what have you. So we just pray God's protection over this church and over our church families.
families because, you know, and uh, that uh, all will be well, and, and we hope that John will be good, and I think he's improving already, so we believe that he's going to be okay, and Rodney and all the rest of them. And some of them that I haven't mentioned, if you haven't, well, check on any of them that you haven't seen here lately. Call them, give them a call. Amen. Yeah. Okay. All right. Remember Brother Jason and Friday and Sister Brooks, last count I had on Sister Brooks, she was doing okay, just had was sore. So I think she, I don't know, sometime in the next few days she's supposed to be going south, I think. So poor thing. <laughs> but anyway, we just we pray for her safe travel and her able to be enjoy herself. Amen. And get well. Anybody else, real quick? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's pray this morning. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord Jesus. We just thank you for your spirit we felt here this morning, for just being in your presence like it's never been before, Lord Jesus. And we're just thankful, Lord Jesus, that you are worthy of all praise and honor. And we're just thankful to be in your house to be able to call upon your name. Lord, we just ask your blessings upon everything. Every soul and every person here and every family that's represented here this morning, Lord Jesus, we ask you to touch them, Lord, bless them and be with them, Lord Jesus, and give them peace of mind, Lord Jesus, in the time of everything that's going so quickly right now, Lord. ask you to reach out and touch those that I asked, had mentioned about being sick, Lord Jesus. You can touch out and touch Brother Jason coming this week, Lord, if all that will be well, Lord. And we just praise you and honor you this morning, Lord Jesus. And ask your continued protection upon this church, Lord Jesus, that we may gather here, Lord, and worship you in the spirit and the truth and be able to do it the way it needs to be done. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.